You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. I don't know if you're aware of this, but everything changes, right? It seems like everything changes all around us. We change is just a normal thing, and everything changes. You might have like a new operating system on your computer, or you got new rules, or new leaders, or political promises. Those change. You got your status. It might change relationally. Your age is going to change. Your body is going to change. Can they get some amens? Yes, our bodies change, don't they? And I love talking to young people. We got some high schoolers in here, and we got some other young people in here. I love telling them, I'm just like, hey, listen, just look at your parents, because it's a thing called genetics. You think you're going to be way different. You think you're going to outlast that. Honestly, it's just genetics. Like those of us who look at our parents, and as we've changed, it's genetics, isn't it? It's just, you're bound by that. There's some laws in nature that you're bound by that aren't changing, but your body's going to change. That's the way it works, right? Uh, How many of you are happy that hairstyles change? Come on, be honest. Give it up. Amen. How many of you lived through the rough 80s, right? I'm telling you, Aquanet made a killing in the 80s, right? Uh, Just to show you uh, why I'm glad hairstyles change, I'm going to show you a picture of when I graduated seminary. That's some... That's some good stuff right there. You know, flock of seagulls would be proud. <laughs> got some good, got that wave going on right there. So it's just some good stuff, right? Well, I'm so glad hairstyles changed up, but hey, let's not just make fun of me. Let's make fun of Mike Millette for a minute, because here's a picture of him. Yeah. He's at my house. We're teenagers. He's at my house. He's eating a good old burger or something there, and he's excited about it. So, right, we're glad. We're glad hairstyles changed. Yeah, you bet, Mike, you bet, whatever. He's still just as skinny, but, you know, that's genetics, right? I've seen his dad. I know what goes on there, so it's just, but we're, I mean, everything in life changes, doesn't it? It just changes all around. Now, change isn't just something that's physical. Change is something that's emotional. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you watched The Walking Dead this week, and you got emotionally wound up about change. Some of you, uh, you know, have you ever been to a restaurant, and they change your favorite meal? right? It's emotional. That's not just like that. They change. It, it's emotional. You were attached to that meal. How many of you have upgraded your phone and you no longer swipe to unlock? You just, you got to push the button now and, and it's upgraded, but you haven't updated yet, <laughs> right? They like did it and they didn't tell you and then you're figuring all that out, right? It's emotional. You have an emotional reaction to change and sometimes changes is negative. It, it, it's, you know, unwanted change. Other times you can't wait, You can't wait for it to change. You're like, I can't wait to graduate. Are there any amens in this room? It might be four years later for a freshman in in high school, but they still, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to be done with school. Some of you, you can't wait for a promotion to happen. You can't wait for a status in your relationship. Maybe in a relationship, you feel like it's just dead end. You you can't wait for that to change. And and if it's your marriage, you're like, we got to work on it. We got to stick it out. We got to work on those things. But, But you're just, you're not happy with where it is in the moment and you want it to change for better. You can't wait for change. It's emotional. Change always happens around us. Some of you, you can't wait for that relationship to change. You can't wait for you know, something like a promotion to happen or a graduation. Some of you can't wait for a diet to end, <laughs> right? You're like, can I just, you start having dreams about In-N-Out Burger at night, right? It's like, I can't wait till this thing is over and you're trying to push it out, right? Sometimes change is good and sometimes it's bad. But one thing is clear, with humans, change is going to happen. But God is not bound by human limitations. He's 
deity. He's not simply just humanity. God is deity. He's not bound in the same way that you and I are. And people, when they think of God, they think of different things. People speculate. I've heard people speculate that God, because we can't see him, that God is an invention of you know, human humanity so that they have a crutch or, or it's just comforting to their psyche. But I want you to know that God is very real. God is very relational. God is actual. He is timeless. He is unchanging. And, and here's why I want you to understand this message. Why do we need this message? Why do you today need to hear this series? Why do you need your friends to be here to hear this series? Why do you need this message today? Why should you text and share it with somebody later on? The reason is this. Everything that you and I know changes. You were born and you will die. That, that everything has a start and a stop, right? Everything that we know changes. And yet our soul was created for eternity. And our soul needs to be anchored to something that is unchanging. But what happens in our life is anytime you and I anchor our life to something that is changing, and I brought with me an anchor here today. I know you, you don't realize this, but I actually uh, use this when I'm kayaking. And the way it works is this. When you're kayaking, you're on moving water, and you want to stay in the same place, you need an anchor. So you get this thing, and I know some of you young people in here are like, I'll bet you could throw that to the ceiling and repel from it, but, <laughs> right, because it looks like a grappling hook. But what you do is you take this thing, and you're going to use it, and you're going to throw it out there in the river, and, and when you throw it out in the river, you want for that thing to stick. You want for it to grab a hold of something, and if it's in water, it's going to stay open. It's going to do that, right? You want that thing to stick. Because you want your boat to stop. And so what happens is you throw it out there, you wait for it to stick, and then you attach it to your kayak or your boat or whatever, right? Because it's going to hold. It's going to hold you in place. It's going to provide stability. When everything else is changing, the river's running around you. But what happens for your soul is your soul needs an anchor. Your soul needs an anchor, and you know it. And so in culture and life, all the time, people are trying to anchor to something that is changing, and whenever you and I anchor our soul to something that is changing, we wear down hope. We create a culture of disillusionment. We become discouraged because we thought it was a firm anchor, but it changed. It moved. Sometimes you've anchored yourself to something that seems steady for a while, but all of a sudden change comes along and you realize that didn't last. I attached myself to something that was like a false god and it disappointed me. It let me down. I mean, sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid. We, we attach our anchors to things, but we know change can happen. We know it's not a guarantee. Any Cubs fans in here? Right? You're hoping against all hope that they could come back and win the World Series, but you recognize it might not happen. It's, it's changing, right? It's just the way it works. You, you, and some of you, when your sports team lets you down, you realize what a brutal god, false god, those can be for us at times, right? That's just the nature of it. Other times, you anchor yourself something and it looks solid, but after a while, you realize that thing is pulling you under. Some of you have anchored yourself to something and the river ran dry. And you thought it had great promises, but now you're standing around with a dry anchor. There's nothing that is moistening your life. There's nothing that is life-giving in what you anchored yourself to. Things change. People change. But your soul needs an anchor. But anytime you and I anchor to something that moves or is changing, it's not a secure place. You and I need to anchor ourselves to something that provides hope. And that's the difference. Not false hope. False hope is always in something that changes. 
I will anchor myself to something that's false hope, it's guaranteed to change, which means I get discouraged. But when you and I, as our soul was created to anchor itself to our creator, we birth hope. And it gets you through the hard times. Not just as some belief, but as something that's real and living and active. It's an anchor that we need to hang on to. So today, I want you to understand that we want you to experience hope. That some of you, you're sitting here today and you've got an anchor clipped. Let's say it's clipped to your belt or to your belt loop or to your, you know, somewhere on you. And, and it's clipped and it's attached to something. And I think God loves you and he wants to challenge maybe what you've attached to if it's anything other than him. Because when you attach yourself to something that changes, you will experience the loss and you'll experience discouragement. And God says, I want you to anchor to me because I am your hope. Some of you have anchored yourself to God before, but you've detached. And you need this message today because God is calling you back to say, stop relaxing, stop resting, stop anchoring to a false God, even though you believe in me, you've anchored to something that your hope, your heart, you've anchored it to something that's going to change. And I want you to come back. I want you to anchor again to me. I want you to experience a stable foundation for the future. And that's why you need this message today. Listen, people die. Money slips right through our hands. Possessions wear out. Our health, it changes. False beliefs also lead to very real consequences. You think, I'm just playing. I'm just figuring out what's out there. No, sometimes false beliefs lead you to very real lifelong consequences. But when you anchor to those things, you'll experience the loss of hope. However, Jesus Christ is the hope. He is the solid rock and the perfect, almighty, unchanging God. And, and we want to look at that idea today because God's quality of not changing, of being unchanging, is taught throughout Scripture. A number of months ago, we looked at the series we called it Seven Questions. And in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, God is assuring people that he loves them. He's assuring you of his love, but he's also challenging our disobedience. And we ask these different questions of him. But one of the things he says about himself, about his very nature, happens in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now remember, this is under the old covenant, where God said, I'll make a covenant with the people of Judah. But the people of Judah, they didn't keep their part of the bargain. They changed. But God's saying, listen, the good news is, even though you've changed, I don't change. And because of that, you're not destroyed. I've got a way out under the old covenant. James chapter, five, uh, chapter 1 in the New Testament says this in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not what? Come on, help me out here. Does not what? Doesn't change, right? Like shifting shadows. He goes on and says this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's the nature of God, that life is going to change, things are going to change, but God remains unchanged. He does not change, but he wants to change us. He wants to give us a new birth. He wants to give us something that is good in our lives. He wants you and I to participate with the change that he wants to work in us, but he himself is unchanging. It provides a steady rock for us. He uses this phrase, James does. He says this, the shadow of turning 
talking about the sun, right? It refers to our perspective on the sun. Like if you think about it, you know, again, the sun is stable, except that we're all traveling through the universe and all traveling throughout the greater universe. Our galaxy is traveling throughout the greater universe. All that stuff is in motion. Our sun is along with that. But, but we orbit the sun. We go around the sun. So it's moving. We're moving. Not only that, we spin. It remains stagnant. It, it basically remains steady. And it is light. It's, it's always light. That's the nature of the sun that is that way. But from a human perspective, we would say this a bit, that you know what? We think that it rises and that it sets every day. We think it can be eclipsed. You know, something can go in front of it and can, can block it out. And the shadows on the ground, they move all around. And sometimes it, you know, at certain times of certain seasons, it's at one part of the tropic, and another season is another part of the tropic, and we watch it move from north to south as it, as it sets along the, you know, right here along the coastal mountains. We can watch it move at different points in time. It seems to move. But the truth is, we are the ones that are changing. We are the ones that are moving, right? Saying with God, spiritually speaking, he is light. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. There's no change with him. It's not anything like that. God is unchangeable in his nature, in his perfection, in his purposes, in his promises, and his gifts. Okay? God is unchanging those. Now, the medium by which those things are carried out may change. Different people have different gifts. God has his promises that are given to people. And when we put our faith and trust in those promises, that is God's promise. It's his way. God provides a way for salvation for us. He is holy. He cannot turn to that which is evil, nor can he who is light be the cause of darkness. He can't cause it. He can't be the cause of it. Since every good and perfect gift comes from him, he, it, it, evil cannot proceed out from him. It can't. Nor can he tempt anybody else to evil. Now, God allows us, because we're in a fallen world of evil. By the way, all of us have fallen to evil. There's none of us in this room who haven't broken at least one of the Ten Commandments. Let's just be honest. Let's kick that pedestal out, right? I'm not better than you. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. But God allows us to be tested, but he doesn't tempt any of us to evil. In fact, he's not, being, he's not tempted by it. The Bible is clear that God, God does not change his mind, his will, or his nature. So I want to talk with you today about a couple logical uh, reasons for the unchangeability of God. And, and what I want to do is I want to engage your head for just a few moments, uh, but understanding that not only is change in its nature, not only is it logical at times, it's also emotional. We'll get to the heart in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about the head. Number one, if you're taking outline, uh, notes on your outline, if anything changes, it must do so in some chronological order, right? So we talk about logical reasons why it is impossible for God to change. Well, number one, if anything changes, it must do so in some logical and chronological order. There must be a point in time before the change, right? And a point in time after the change. Therefore, for change to take place, it must happen within the constraints of time. However, God is eternal and exists outside the constraints of time. Think of it this way. God has, as scripture declares it clearly, God has neither beginning nor end. Everything you and I know has a beginning and end. The storm will begin. At some point, it will end. It has beginning and end. You were born, you and I die. All the things. So here's what I want you to think for just a minute. This is where our limitations kick in. This is where our brains kind of freeze up. I want you to think about it for a minute that God never began. He has always been. 
Okay, so go back to the beginning of the creation of the world. Now go back. Now keep going back. Now just keep going back forever. See, our mind goes, right? How, do, how does that work? With God, there's neither beginning nor is there end. He's just always been. Always. And our mind goes, how could that be? It's like thinking someday, I'm going to live in heaven. I'll live forever with God. What does forever look like? Forever. You can't even wrap your mind around that. Like in the forever of eternity, this life is so small. And because forever goes on forever, this gets smaller. So from the moment of our beginning till forever is a long, long time. Our mind can't wrap around it. We have a human limitation because all we know is change. All we know is beginning and end. But God is not bound by chronological time. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10 says this. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. That word remain is the word unchanging. You remain unchanging, God. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment will be changed. But you, again, remain, that unchanging word, the same. And your years will never end. So God remains unchanged. He's outside the parameters of a chronological timeline that you and I exist and live in, and it's really all we know. But one of the logical reasons that God remains unchanging is that change has to do with chronological time, and God is outside of that. Number two, God's unchanging nature is necessary for his perfection. It's necessary. If God's going to be perfect, he also has to be unchanging, right? Because if anything changes, it's got to change for the better or the worse. Because a change that makes no difference really isn't a change, right? If a change doesn't make any difference, it's really unnecessary. We wouldn't even call it a change because it made no difference. But it's either got to get better or it's got to get worse. So for change to take place, either something that is needed is added. Like it was lacking something and something had to get added to it so it got better. Or something that is needed actually gets lost. And because it got lost, then it is worse. It's a change for the worse. However, God is perfect. Perfect is not just his behavior. It's his nature. That God is perfection. God is perfect. He doesn't lack anything. Not a thing. He doesn't lose anything. Not a thing. There's nothing that he could gain that makes him better or lose that would make him worse. He is perfection in his nature. He doesn't need you and me. The creator created us out of his delight. But whether you choose him or not doesn't make a difference in his perfection. He's still perfect. He's unchanging. You and I, we change. But God is unchanging. If God were to lose something, right, if, if he somehow were to lose something, then he would no longer be perfect, right? He cannot change for the worse. He can't. He can't lose something. He can't gain something to make him better or worse. He's outside of that. Now, we think of winning and losing in, in terms of gains and losses, right? When you and I watch a sporting event, we, we know the score is what makes the difference. And sometimes we begin to take human thinking and apply that to God. And so we do this. This is what our world does. They think in human thinking, they go, well, if the majority of people think that God doesn't exist, then they must be right. As if God has somehow lost something and maybe the evil or, or, or the devil or something gains something. They don't. God is still perfect. He's outside of that. It doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, exactly that way. So I want to let you know that losing some people to disbelief 
doesn't make Satan the opposition, right? It doesn't make him somehow a false god. In fact, it doesn't make God less. The unchanging God is the God of hell. And I want you to understand this because I think pop culture changes it. We've just talked about this spiritual warfare series. And what we begin to think is that there's this opposition that's equally as strong, and it's not. The enemy is a defeated foe. In fact, here's the picture. God is the Lord of, all, or of everything, including hell, which he created. He created hell to cast Satan and his host there to be forever destroyed. That's why God created hell. We get this picture in pop culture that like God is God of heaven. Satan is like the leader the ruler of hell, and he's hoping to get people to go there so he can be like, ah, I can rule over you. No, Satan's not the lord of hell. He's the victim of it, rightly so. That God created that place, a place where he will be justly under God's love and justice, justly punished for his pride. That's where he'll go. And what I want you to understand that that is a place that they will be tormented and destroyed by God's righteous justice. The word of God says this to us. He says this, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And what? Who? Many. Yeah, help me out here. Many enter through it, but small is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few, right? Only a few are going to find it. See, God's not threatened that there will be many who will disbelieve him, who will walk away, who will anchor to something that will lead them to destruction. God doesn't want anyone to go there. He loves us. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God does. That's why he delays his return, because he wants more and more to come to repentance. But please understand, he knows full well the nature of humanity. That few are those who find him, and in doing so, win. And many are those who will walk away, who will disbelieve and lose. But God in his very nature is perfection. He doesn't keep score like you and I do. He's outside of that. It doesn't make him any less. God is perfect, and he doesn't need to change. Number three, the unchanging nature of God is related to the fact that he is all-knowing. You can't separate those two. See, when someone like you or me, when we change our mind, it's because we often get new information that comes to light that was not previously known or because the circumstances have changed and we need a new attitude or action to handle it, right? So we, all the time that'll happen. You might be working with your kids and all of a sudden they give you additional information. You're like, oh, oh, okay, well, we need to have this attitude or we need to do this action because that additional information helps. Look at our, our political climate right now. Our political climate right now is trying to give people new information so they somehow change what they believe and how they're going to vote, right? So it's character assassination. It's all that stuff that's out there. So they just try to bring, here's something new. It's almost like delayed release. Now we're going to release more. But the thing is, it doesn't matter who the candidate is. It doesn't matter what they have done. What it matters in our culture is we're trying to provide new information to make you all-knowing so you can make your choice. And the truth is there's only one that's all-knowing, that knows the thoughts and the motives of a person's heart. It's God Almighty. He is unchanging. He can't be swayed. You can't talk him out of what you really thought. You can't say, I had good intentions. I just didn't follow through on them. God is all-knowing. He knows you. He knows your entire history. He knows your heart. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows everything. And when God, he never gets new information that makes him go, oh, oh, well, okay then. Well, by all means, 
Some of you are like, well, I don't understand why I should pray if God already knows everything. You need to pray because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. We need to pray and tell God and open up our heart because when we open up our heart, we are anchoring our heart to him, the one who's unchanging, the one who's steady, the one who's a solid rock, the one who leads us in a way that doesn't increase our stress, the one who leads us in a way that says, I am there for you as an unchanging rock when you are stressed out. You can have hope. He is unchanging. Because God is omniscient, he can't learn something he didn't already know. So when the Bible speaks of God changing his mind, because there's a couple of situations in the Old Testament particularly where from a Hebrew perspective, it will say that God changed his mind, right? But when, God, when the Bible speaks of God changing his mind, it must be understood that the circumstance or the situation has changed, not God. God didn't change. The circumstance or situation changed. And from a Hebrew perspective, that's how they would write it. In fact, when his, Hebrew history speaks of God changing his mind, scripture linguistically is simply describing a change of dispensation and outward dealings toward people. Not a change of who God is, and he did not receive new information that caught him off guard. Didn't happen. People in Hebrew mindset, they always attribute everything circumstantially to the sovereignty of God. So if the circumstances change, they often will write about it in a way that seems like, well, maybe God changed his mind. He didn't. That same scripture is very clear that God is unchanging. It's not a conflict. Numbers 23, 19 tells us this kind of thing. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? No. Does he promise and not fulfill? No. Now remember, this is in Numbers. It's in the Old Testament. It's under the law. Christ. God has not become flesh in the person of Christ. All they know is that God is unchanging. He is steady. He is a solid rock, and he does not change. God doesn't operate like you and me. We change. We shift. We anchor to things that are changing, and we begin to get discouraged by it. Nope, God doesn't change his mind. He's unchanging, and he's unchangeable. I mean, think about it. After the storm, maybe later today, you and I, we might see a rainbow, right? As all that moves off toward the east, we might look and see a rainbow because the sun will be setting in the west. And I just wanted you to understand the rainbow for just a minute, that God still promises through the promise of the rainbow, the meaning of a rainbow is that God will never destroy the world again with a flood. Oh, he'll destroy it in the future. The scripture are clear that the elements perish in a fire, but he's not going to do it with a flood like he did in the past. And God still promises that. You're driving down the freeway, you're going about your life, and you see a rainbow. And some of you scientifically are like, oh, come on, Dave, please understand. You, I don't think you get it. That light travels, and when it gets to 40 degrees to 42 degrees and is refracted back, at 40 degrees where you begin to see blue light, and then the rest of the spectrum happens up until about 42 degrees. So please understand, Dave, when you see it, it's really because you're just at you know, 42 degrees of, of light separation. Okay, but who, who started the rain? Who can't control the rain? God is God. He could do something different. He could make rainbows go away. He could change the refraction of the light. He could be like, that's it. People don't get to see those anymore. I'm done. No, he's still promising you and me. Something he promised long ago. You know what God still does? He still saves people you and I will never know. You know what God will still do? He'll still change your hardened heart. But he's going to remain unchanged. That's the God we know. That's who he is. And because of that, it's not just logical 
It's emotional because change is emotional and we need an unchanging God to change us. I mean, think about it for a moment. We've got, we've got the fossil record. What happened? God caused a worldwide flood. You don't get fossils unless you have instant burial, high degree of pressure and compaction and all that stuff and then for a long period of time to where it solidifies and now we dig it up and we have fossils. When you and I go to the natural history museums and we see the fossils out there and the bones, what are you seeing? You are seeing a visible, physical demonstration of God's wrath against sin. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing a blatant display that God said, enough. But because of the faith of Noah and his family, only eight people total I'm going to wipe it all out except for those eight. Why? God doesn't change. His rules about sin don't change. His law doesn't change. But God says, I don't have to save anybody, but guess what? I'm going to save eight. And now in the new covenant, he says, I don't have to save anybody, but for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those people who change for the worse can actually change and be changed by an unchanging God for the better. It's emotional. So let's talk about the heart. We've talked about the head, but let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about reasons that you and I should be changed by an unchanging God. Why do we do that, right? Number four, on your outline, the unchanging God delights to change our spiritual condition through Jesus Christ. Without believing Jesus, I'm dead in my sins. So God wants to change your spiritual condition. What do we deserve? What do you all deserve for Christmas? To say it, I deserve hell right? Not your two front teeth. Does we all deserve, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God. We've got a spiritual condition of lostness, but praise be to God who said, I love people, but I'm also going to be just. It's both. And because my justice is coming, I will love them enough to become flesh, to take my righteous wrath upon myself on the cross, that those who put their faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross will have everlasting life. Their sins will be washed away. He's saying, I'm making, yeah, give it up for that. I'm making a way out. I'm not changing. I'm not changing my justice, and I'm not changing my love. But when those two collide, when those two come together, you see Jesus Christ, God himself, hanging on the cross, dying for your sin and for mine. God wants to change your spiritual condition to bring you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. He wants to bring you hope. He doesn't want you to keep throwing out your anchor to other things and keep getting discouraged by things that change that you throw your anchor to and it changes and you live within discouragement. God says, I want you to come to life and have life everlasting, solid, steady. God doesn't flip a coin when you get to heaven. If he's a changing God, we're all doomed, aren't we? But because he's unchanging, he says, what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with the offer I gave to change your spiritual condition? Did you receive that? Did you believe that? Did you put your faith, your trust in that as a way for you to be saved? Did you do it? That's what he asks. It's emotional. Why? Because I'm desperate and my soul needs new life, new hope through Jesus Christ. Not through religion, not through a faith thing, not through an idea, but through an actual living person who was dead and buried and rose to new life and is alive God Almighty, return back to heaven, who will return someday. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. We need a living God, an active God, an unchanging God. That's what we need. It's emotional. So what do we do? Let's say, okay, God, I'm going to anchor my life. I'm going to anchor it to you. 
It's a choice on my part. God didn't force himself on you, but now that I know that's available, God, I'm going to anchor my life and, listen, my ongoing process of change to God, and I choose to rest secure in him, right? It's not just anchoring my faith for salvation, but, but listen, I want you to hear this, that phrase, an ongoing process of change. Some of you are in this room, and you say, I anchored myself to God a long time ago, but somewhere along the line, you detached it. Somewhere along the line, you're like, I'm good. I kind of arrived. And you went back to anchoring yourself to self-sufficiency. And God is saying, no, listen, I want to change you. I want to continue to change your life. I want to build a foundation that is firm and unshakable for you in the midst of a life that will shake you and a life that will change. I want to continue to prepare you now for the days ahead because I'm an unchanging, unshakable God and you're going to need that in the days ahead when things change. I want you to begin again and attach to me. Some of you have detached and you've thrown out saying, no, I kind of got God, that's one of my anchors, and I got hope in something else, and that's my anchor in you. And you've got a bunch of anchors, and God's going, there's only one that holds, and it's the one that's most important. Some of you in this room, man, your kids play sports and your soccer parents and all that, but I just got to tell you, listen, sometimes you've thrown your anchor out to that's the hope that their kid is going to go play D1 soccer, and let me tell you, they're not. <laughs> their coaches will all tell you they are, but ultimately they're not. Listen, I've been out there. I've seen you know, different games. I used to coach soccer even with my own kids. And you, know, you hear the parents like, oh, that was a great little cutback. No, no, it was not. It was kind of pathetic. The ball hit him in the back of the head, and they turned around and grabbed it, right? That is not a good cutback, okay? Your kid is really never going to play D1 soccer. And beyond that, they're not going to play soccer for the rest of their life. But they need to know when life changes that they have an anchor that will never perish, never spoil, never fade, and a, and a hope through Jesus Christ and through a deposit of his Holy Spirit that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for them. They need something beyond sports in their life. But some of you, you have attached to sports, and it is drowning you, and it's drowning your family. Listen, you talk to your kids, what do your kids want the most? If you ask them, what do you really want a Saturday to look like? I think you'd be surprised at their answer. Our kids are stressed out. Our kids are overworked. Our kids are underappreciated. Our kids are not being given an anchor that is secure in a world that changes. All they know is change and stress. Men and women in this room, whether you have kids or not, I want to ask you, are you that kid? Are you stressed out? Have you anchored yourself to something that's going to change? See, marriage is not your anchor for the rest of your life. People die. There is life in Jesus Christ alone, and he'll give you the stability and the foundation for all the changes of life. Anchor to what matters most. Listen to me in this room. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me carefully. You're only as good as your devotions. You're only as good as your time where you read the Bible and you're alone with God. Yeah, you can come on the weekend. You can come here. And we will be together when we need to. That's why God calls us that the church comes together. Our life changes, the world changes. We need to come together and be reminded that, you know what, I'm not alone. That we believe that there is an unchanging God. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to worship him. But let me tell you that you need to be self-feeders during the week. Don't starve between Sundays. You're only as good as your time alone with the Lord. And that's what's going to anchor you because change happens every day, not just on the weekend. So you get in the word. And God might be inviting you today to anchor again to him in your personal time alone with him.
so that you can choose to rest secure in the changes of life before that God. So we're going to trust an always changing future to an all-knowing God who never changes or lacks anything. That's what we're going to trust our changing future to. Amen? Awesome. Wherever you are, listen, whatever the season of life that you're in, whatever you currently are facing, and it may look like an impossible situation, I want you to live to reflect God's character that you be in that 40 to 42 degrees of reflecting God's light. You don't have it all together. It's going to change. Life around you is changing. But when others look at you, they begin to see that the light of Jesus Christ is in you and it affects how you respond to all the changes around you. That you have a hope in the midst of what should be hopeless. That you have an unchanging, solid, secure foundation. So reflect his love, his good works, his generosity, his integrity, and his peace before stressed out world. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me just to think about your own life? Right now, you may realize that you have never put your faith in trust. You've never given your faith to what Jesus did on the cross. And right now, he's calling you to himself. Take a moment here, just, for a minute, just listen to the rain. We can't cause it to rain. The rain's going to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. But when the rain is long gone, eventually there comes that moment where you and I have to choose. What did I do with Jesus Christ? Did I put my faith and my trust in the God who provided rain? He provided to righteous people, unrighteous people, but the only way we're righteous is through faith that is placed and given to Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross, that it cancels out God's wrath against our sin. And if that's you this morning, that you need to ask God into your heart, you need to ask God to forgive your sin, you need to give him faith on what he did on the cross, then you pray a prayer right where you're seated after me and just say this, Jesus, today I'm just going to get to the end of myself. And I ask you to come into my heart. Today I give you me. I believe that you died on the cross for all my sin that you were buried, that you rose to new life, and that you are God. So I ask you to give me your Holy Spirit and make me a new creation on the inside. Fix my spiritual condition, because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.